You know, I thought it was great that Butch, uh, he had a unanimous 100% vote. Everybody likes you, Butch. When I came here eight years ago, I did a trial sermon. They voted for me. There were two people here that voted no. So you're, you're doing <laughs> you're doing good. Hey, man, I'm so excited to see you. Welcome. And, man, 2020, you made it. You're here. You came to church. It's awesome. We're glad that you're here. And, and you know, I, I just, if you weren't here last week, I, I'm sorry that you missed. We had a great day last Sunday. We just had the one service. But this room was packed full of people and families, and we celebrated a couple of people that, that took their next step in baptism, following Jesus there. And, and it was exciting, man, just a great day of worship. But, but I'm, I'm happy that you're here, and I hope that you'll commit even now to be here for the next at least for the next month or two every week, because what we're going to be talking about is so, is so uh, powerful and really, really has the potential to change your life. And I really mean that in a lot of positive ways. And, and we're going to go on a, on a journey together, uh, and this can really change your life. If you've been looking for something deeper and more meaningful and real, this is your opportunity. It's common for a lot of us to set goals for the new year, you know, sometimes they're physical or they're spiritual or whatever they are, you know, and and uh, and, and I, I've done some of that. I have a few of those myself, but uh, for me this past year, I was able to reach some new goals that I I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to reach them. I had uh, in my in my physical life, exercising things like that, I I'd plateaued, and I wasn't seeing much change for a long, long time. And I thought, you know, I don't know what's going. On. I guess I gotten as far as I'm going to be able to get, and I'm talking to other guys my age, they're like, yep, that's what happens when you get to this age, you know, you just can't do what you thought you could do, and, and so I kind of feel bummed out about that, but I had a, a, a work with a, a trainer, a coach, that was giving me some tips, and say, hey, try this, or try, do this, do that a little bit different, and all of a sudden, just with that additional information, with just a little bit of a, you know, some help, all of a sudden, I was able to blow past where I was, get to some new uh, some new goals I didn't think I was going to be able to get to, and and uh, and immediately seeing a, a major difference, and that's what I want to be for you today. If I can encourage you to try some new things, to put some some new habits into your life, you will be amazed at how much of a difference can be made just by making some adjustments to what you're already doing. Because you you are a physical being, but you're also a spiritual being. You're not just a body, you're, you're a body with a soul. And if you're going to be healthy and joyful and, and happy and get to a place that's better and more satisfying, not rusted out or whatever, you've got to nurture the body and you've got to nurture the soul. You've got to work some things out. I love the scripture in Matthew 7 where Jesus said these words. He said, don't look for shortcuts to God. That's what we all want, right? We're, we're Americans, and we're the drive-through culture, and we, we're the instant culture. We want it now. He's, Jesus said, don't, don't, don't look for any shortcuts. There's not a magic pill. There's not a magic word or magic formula. There's no shortcuts. The market is flooded, though, with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though crowds of people do, the way to life, to God is vigorous, and it requires total attention. If you want to have the best year of your life, you've got to recognize it's not going to be something that you can just do with a little extra spare time or whatever. It's going to require focus, effort, and commitment. 
I said, I'm going to walk with God. I want to go where God wants me to go. And this is the opportunity to get to know the Lord on a whole new level. Now, I'm going to tell you this up front and, and uh, kind of break it down a little bit later. But we have some things that we've made available for you today as you leave. I know we've given you a lot of information and announcements and all that kind of stuff. But I uh, really hope that you'll remember this. As you leave today, there are some tables in the lobby. And you'll see uh, some little booklets that look like this. We've got a kind of the logo of what it looks like on the front page. It's 21 days of prayer and fasting. We put this together, tried to make it as easy and as user-friendly as possible. Uh, but what this is, is this is our way of challenging you and say, hey, you want to step into something, you want to see something happen in your life, here's, here's an opportunity for you for the next three weeks. I mean, we're just talking about, I mean, not even a month, just 21 days of saying, okay, I'm going to make this a focal point of my life. I'm going to give my attention to prayer and, 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 and try to sacrifice a few small things in my life just to help kind of focus my heart a little bit. And this, this is not like you're going to give up food for the next three weeks totally or anything like that. It's, it's, a, it's different. There's some days you maybe we're asking you to give up a meal. Some days we're asking you to give up social media for the day or to give up, you know, screen time or whatever else. Just to kind of help eliminate the noise Eliminate the distractions a little bit and kind of drive us back to prayer. And this got some, uh, uh, some reading suggestions for, you know, scripture reading and some, maybe a prayer focus. We've also got some other little guides out there if you want. Them, some uh, Bible reading guides if you want to do like 100 days or a, a year. Those are available as well. But we really, really, really hope that you'll do the 21-day challenge with us and for those of you online that's available on our website and you guys as well if you forget to grab one or whatever if you go to fairdalechristian.org right on the main page you see that this logo and it says get the guide you just click that button and, and there it is but we really want you to do that together now you may say now why would why would i do that well because it it might just change everything about your life it might just make such a huge difference in your life that you would look back and say, wow, I didn't even realize that I could break through these barriers or that I could get to this place. And I tell you, for me, I'm, I'm really grateful for all the good things that I have in my life right now. Uh, super grateful to God for what he's done for me. When I look at just all the things around me, I, my marriage, and, and, you know, Megan and I, I can honestly, and, and I mean this, and I'm, it's, not a, it's not me just blowing smoke, we're... we're happy we're, we're grateful we're we're enjoying our, our life together and it's not that we haven't had difficult times because we certainly have there's been times i know that she's maybe hasn't thought about divorce but i know she's certainly thought about murder a time or two you know <laughs> but uh but i can honestly say that where we are i'm so so much enjoying our relationship and the same with our kids like i I just enjoy my kids. I think my kids enjoy me for most, most of the time. You know, we, 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 we don't have big blow-ups at home. We don't have, like, crazy drama stuff or anything like that. It's just kind of like we're just enjoying the blessings. And my relationships, I feel like they're pretty deep. And, and people offer things to me. And I hope that I, I think I have things to offer to others. And, and I, with, with my, my job, I'm watching people around me that are my age that are rusting out and burning out and lo lost their passion, looking for the exit door. And I, I honestly feel like I've got more passion now than I... That I have had the whole time, you know, through my career to this level. And everything in my life is better because I have a connection to God. That's why it's better. It's not because I found the right person or just had the right set of DNA genetics that my kids just happen to pop out being great or whatever. It's not because I won the, the, the human lottery. It's because I've got a connection 
to God and I spend time in his word and I spend time talking to him and he's he is pouring into me and it gives me the opportunity to share with others what God is sharing with me if you it's not about an obligation it's about something that you will want to do if you want to break barriers in your life if you want to get to levels that you've not been to and get your life in a new place connecting with God is the key but here's the problem and Americans are not understanding the Bible we're not reading it uh, we're, we are, are having a tough time feeling connected to God we don't know where to start you know, I, I don't, if I wanted to, even if I want to get into the Bible, where do, what, where do I start? Do I start at the beginning? Do I go to the end? Do I go somewhere in the middle? What do I do? And then I have a tough time with some of the language, understanding the barriers there. I have a tough time applying that to me and finding what I'm looking for. Another thing that, that I know is true, is true in, in my life and, and true in the lives of pretty much everybody I know, is that we struggle with prayer. How does it work? And am I doing it correctly? Am I saying the right words? Am I spending enough time? What about you know, power in prayer and how, how does that work? How does God answer prayer? Does it really make a difference? There's all kinds of issues. Pew Research Center conducted a survey this past year and they found that 29% of Americans, 29% now consider themselves as atheists or agnostics or nothing in particular, just non-religious. 29%, that's, that's an increase from 16% back in 2007. So in 14 years, just in our, in our country, in 14 years, the number of people who have said, I am non-religious, an atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, has doubled in 14 years. That's bad news. And then when they, those, those people uh, this, in the survey, when they're asked about prayer, here's what they found. It's really not surprising. But here's the numbers when it, as it relates to prayer. Less than half, 45%, less than half of Americans say that they pray daily. That's down from 58% in 2007. And the number of people who say they seldom or never pray, if you look at that line there at the bottom of the light gray, those that never pray has risen from 18% to 32%. Seems pretty simple to me. People are leaving their faith, losing faith in God in direct correlation to their lack of prayer life. We're not praying. We're not feeling a connection to God. We're not feeling him move in our life. Nothing seems to be happening. The less we pray, the more distant we feel, the less power there is in our lives. And we end up just wandering away from our faith altogether. And this is what I've learned in my own life and the lives of people that I've met and have tried to help guide them in this. It's really a serious, hard, difficult question. How do you experience God in prayer? How, how can I experience him in my prayer life? What is that going to look like for me? You know, I, I know the feeling, and I'm, many of you I'm sure do as well. You feel like I'm, I'm praying to God. I'm trying to say the right things. I'm not sure if I'm doing it right. It just feels like my prayers are kind of hitting the wall and bouncing off and dropping to the floor. I don't know that it's making any difference at all. I, I, I believe this is something most of us struggle with. I don't know if I know anybody really, maybe one or two people. Some really, really <laughs> saints. But other than those one or two people, I don't know if I know anybody that say, yeah, I think prayer is a strength in my life. I think most of us would say, I probably need to grow there, but I'm not sure what to do next. And that's going to be my goal over the next few weeks. I'm not an expert in this by any means, but I hope that we can find as we dig through Scripture together, 
As we spend time praying, fasting from things to center our heart on the Lord a little bit more, maybe over the next three weeks, I believe and trust that we'll grow in this area. We'll see things happen and change and get our lives to a place that we didn't think we could before because our prayer life and our spiritual growth are absolutely connected. They will stay in sync. If you want to grow spiritually, I know a lot of people, that's what I, I've, I've, I've looked at Facebook. I've seen a lot of you out there. That's what you've said for this year. In 2022, my goal, I want to grow spiritually. I want, I want to be closer to God this year. If you want to be closer to God, here's where you start. This is, this is the, the, the landing point. Communication is the foundation of every relationship. If you have any kind of relationship at all, you already know that. Communicate, communicate. You've got to be able to communicate, and that includes our relationship with God. If we want to have real and, and a meaningful walk with the Lord, then we've got to learn how to talk to Him. And we have an open invitation to talk to God. Jesus said in Matthew 7, He said, I want you to keep on asking. Keep on, you know, and, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, knocking at, at the door of the Lord. Keep knocking, keep coming before him in prayer, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. The first thing we did at the very beginning of our current world crisis the governor had asked you know back the governor had asked all the churches to shut down and and to not hold in-person service the very first thing that we did is as a staff and as a leadership we got together and said okay what do we do we can't meet in person what do we do the very first thing we did was we said we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna contact every single person who has a connection to Fairdale Christian Church and we're gonna offer to pray with them and so we said, okay, yeah, well, we can do that. We've got phone numbers and all that sort of thing, so we're going to sit down. But you, you would not believe how many people that is because <laughs> you think, well, I come in here on a normal Sunday, and what is there, you know, 400 or so people? Or what, what is it? What, how many people are actually connected here to Fairdale Christian Church? You, you just don't realize how many people only come once in a while because we found out pretty quickly how many people that was. It was about 2,500 people that are connected to Fairdale Christian Church. And it was a monumental task to say, okay, we're going to call every single one of those people. But we said, okay, no matter how long this takes, we don't have much else to do. We're all quarantined anyway. So we're going to sit down and we're going to call and we're going we're to offer to pray with every single one. We got a lot of voicemails. <laughs> a lot of you screened us. Said, I don't want to talk to Brandon right now, whatever, he's going to, whatever. But, but uh, we, we did get through it to a lot, and we had the opportunity to pray with a lot of people. It was a big effort. Why would we do that? It wasn't just because we care about everyone connected to our church, but because we want to be people who lead with faith. They say, we're trusting the Lord in this. Even if it doesn't make sense, don't know what's going to happen next, don't know, don't have any answers to any of this stuff, but we want to make prayer a priority, not an afterthought. In the New Testament... There was a father who, whose son had a terrible problem, and he brought him to Jesus for help. In Mark chapter 9, it says that one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground, and then he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Interesting little passage. 
What you see what's going on here. The father obviously distraught for his son. I brought him to your disciples. They're, you, you're sending them out in your name, and they couldn't do anything. They couldn't help my son. Why, why couldn't the disciples help this kid? Just, Jesus responds in the next verse. He said in verse 19, he said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. I read that verse. I think, boy, I, I wouldn't have wanted to be there at that moment. Jesus looked at me and say that. Uh, that probably wasn't a very good moment for, for anybody, but I, I wonder, who's he talking to? Who is he calling faithless? And the next verse says, when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, people were, people were coming and they're growing by the moment. People are wondering what's going to happen here. So he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Wouldn't you like to know why? What did we do wrong, Jesus? Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out by prayer. Who was Jesus calling faithless? I think it was everybody there who wasn't praying, including his disciples. His followers were going through the motions. They thought they were doing the right things in the right way with the right intentions. Yeah, we're just trying to do what you want us to do. But there was one key omission. There's one thing that they, they weren't doing or they should have been doing. They weren't actually praying. They were, they were saying, oh, we, we, we're trying to be faithful. And, and it, it is possible for many of us to be going through the motions of life through this crisis and all other crises of our life without actually praying. We just we just go and do, and, and we, it is possible for us to think that we're being faithful, but we're not. We're not actually doing what God has asked us to do. And the number one place to start with that is, is in prayer, communicating with our Heavenly Father. Think about this. Think, think about this. Is there anything in your life right now that you're doing differently than your agnostic neighbor? Is there any difference in your rhythms and your normal way of life, other than the fact that maybe you come to church and they don't? Is there any other difference in the way that you live and, and what, what, what you're committed to? Is there anything that sets you apart from their everyday motions? Are you praying at all? Are we praying for God to remove this scourge from us? Are we praying that, that God would meet our needs, that God would meet our friends' needs, our neighbors' needs? There's faithless people always find reasons to not be faithful. We're always a little too busy. We've always got a little too much going on. I can't do this. I, sh I know I should. Or I know the Bible tells me to do that or, you know, whatever else. But I I'm just a little too distracted. We are so great at rationalizing away the things that will actually take our lives to the next level. I know that if I did this, it would get me here, but I don't have the time to do that. For here, And here's five reasons why. We're great. Faithless people always find reasons, whether it's starting that exercise routine. You say, I know I should. I just don't have the time. Are you kidding me? You don't have the time? 
as I sit here for an hour on my phone, scroll, 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 scroll every day. Or, you know, or, or not asking that girl out. You know, some of, some of you younger guys or whatever, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that because all oh, reasons, whatever. Just, just do it. What, what about making time to talk to God? I don't have the time. I'd love to be a person who prays a little bit more, but I'm just a little too busy for that. And my, my challenge to you is just commit to start. Just commit to start. That's why we, why we made these prayer and fasting guides available because it's 21 days of saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to focus my attention on you for 21 days and then see what happens beyond that, see how much growth there is. But I'm going to focus my attention. I'm going to read and I'm going to spend time in your word. I'm going to spend time praying. And, and that's up to you. I mean, the, the scripture reading will probably take you less than 15 minutes a day. Depending on how, you know, I, I know I'm kind of a slower reader. Some people are fast or slow, whatever. But it, it'll, it'll take you 15 minutes or less. Prayer is up to you. There's no right or wrong way. It's not about watching the clock or checking now. Wait a minute, have I prayed 15 minutes yet? Are we there yet? Don't, don't do that. Don't overcomplicate. Don't make it more complex than it needs to be. Prayer, if you, if you get nothing else from today, if you get nothing else, please remember this. that Prayer is relational not transactional. But by default, we will make it transactional. That's what we do. You think, oh, I don't do that. Yes, yes, we do. All through the Old and New Testament, it's an appeal for relationship. Prayer has always been an appeal to a relationship. But left to ourselves, we make it a transaction. Did I pray for five minutes yet? Has it been seven? Maybe it's 12. Did I say the right words? If I use the right language, or maybe if I talk in this certain voice, then God's going to be more willing to hear me and answer my prayer. I, I see people all the time that trying to get I'm trying to get as many people as possible to pray for me because I've got this thing going on. Will you please, everybody, please pray for me, pray for me. Because there's something in our mind that thinks, well, if I get more people to pray, then God will have to listen to all these people rather than listening to the fervent, faithful prayer of one. I don't believe that for a moment. But we tend to bargain with God. That's not what prayer is about. That's not what it is. Prayer is about meeting with God. It's about enjoying his presence. I just want to spend a little time with him. It's about having a conversation that's transformational. It's all about experiencing God. And it's promise-centered, not performance-centered. The most important lesson on prayer that Jesus ever gave us. Really, the first line, I think, is one of the most important parts of how we're to pray. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 9, he said, pray like this. I mean, you can't get any more simple than that. Pray like this. He said, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy or hallowed be your name. I mean, literally, what, it seems simple, but before Jesus, before Jesus, no one did this. No one prayed and called God Father. Jesus was the first one that said, he's your father. Call him by his name. That, that is who he is to you. He is a loving father. He almost always opened his prayers that way. The only exception, the only place in scripture where Jesus did not say father was when he was on the cross. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But every single other time Jesus said, pray like this, our father. Why, when we recognize God in that way, that he is a father to me. 
He loves me. He's concerned for me. His, his eyes are on me. His heart is for me. And I'm getting to know him as a father. Now, some of us, that can be difficult because we had traumatic childhoods. And you've got some father issues. And I, I know what that's like. And many of you, that was my experience. But, but here's the thing. Even if your experience was like that, even if you say, I had a, a father that was unloving or uncaring or harsh or whatever else, I didn't have a very good experience with my earthly father, even if that's you, you have and I have a deep longing within for a good father. I want that. You want that. We all have this, and it, I, I believe it's put there on purpose by God. You have a desire to have a father that loves you and cares about you and wants to be involved in your life. That's God's design, but you have that in your father God. You have that. And my challenge to you this week is commit right now. Say, right now at this moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make time, I'm going to make space to talk to my Father every day. I don't care if it's two minutes, 20 minutes, two hours. Just say, I'm going to make time, I'm going to make the space to quiet myself down for a little bit. Don't make it complex. Don't make it too difficult. Just, I'm going to spend a little time with Him. Use the prayer and fasting guide to, to help keep your focus, adapt it if you need to. I know some people, for some people, giving up a meal or giving up electronics may not be possible for whatever the reason that we understand. Just It's not about, the, it's not about being legalistic about, well, I have to do every single thing, check all the boxes. It's about just kind of giving us a guide to help us kind of get in a direction to eliminate the noise, set aside the time long enough to spend time with God. That's what I love about Jesus' prayer. He, he doesn't tell us to come before God as someone that should be feared. There's other scriptures that say, you know, talk, talk about fear and trembling and those sort of things. But when Jesus says, here's how I want you to pray, it's not in a fearful way. It's not in a, who, I'm coming before someone that could grind me into a fine powder right now at any given moment. It's not that we have to rehearse what we're going to say to make sure we get it right or change our voice or change our language. He says, God is your Father. Leverage that connection. He loves you. He cares about every single thing that you care about and every single thing that's going on in your life. Remember who you are to Him and remember who He is to you. I uh, heard this story. I was at a, a retreat with... Uh, Bob Russell, who's a pastor of Southeast Christian for years, and he was telling this story because back in the day when Bob was preaching there, he was insistent that anyone who preached in the, you know, on the, at the podium, and when you got up and you preached, you must wear a suit and tie. That was kind of Bob's thing. He just said, you, we gotta, you should dress up, you should always be wearing your best, put on a suit and tie if you're going to be in the pulpit. And Kyle Eidelman, who's a younger guy on staff there, uh, kind of was asking permission, saying, Bob, would it be okay? I'm really not a suit and tie kind of guy. I, I think that kind of puts a little bit of a barrier between me and people my age and younger people. Said, would it be okay if I, if I dress down a little bit? You know, I'll still keep it, you know, keep it clean or whatever, but would it be okay if I didn't wear a suit and tie? And, and Bob's telling a story. He's kind of telling on himself. He said, I told him, he said, Kyle, think about this. If you were going to meet the President of the United States, wouldn't you want to wear your absolute best? And Kyle said, well, not if the president was my dad. 
don't forget who he is. Don't forget that you have a father in heaven. He's not to be feared. He's, he's, he's not way off in the distance, but he, he loves you. He cares. He wants you to come and spend a little time with him. Don't forget that. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come boldly. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for loving us and for allowing us the opportunity to come before you in prayer and seek you. I pray for every person that is here today and those that couldn't be here today, those that are at home, those that are traveling, wherever we may be, I, I ask that you would ignite a passion within us to know you in a different way. A lot of us have been following you for decades. Being a Christian is sort of part of who we are, but it, it, hasn't, taken a, it hasn't taken a root in a way that's changing what we do and how we live. I pray that you would, that you would do that for us. Help us to, to be connected to you in a way that it, it not only changes who we are, but it changes what we do, and it changes what our life is like. Would you move us to that place, Lord? Help us, equip us, enable us to, to break the barrier in this new year and to know you in a way that is life-changing. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless. We'll see you. Can't wait to see you next Sunday.